Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We hope that today's message helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that the Lord has created you to do. Father, I thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to break the box. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to take us out of our comfort zone and bring us into a place where we understand the biblical promises that you've given us, the heritage that you've given us in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, um, for any um, wound-based theology we have about you, we surrender. God, for any unhealthy ideology or theology, Lord, um, or doctrine that is in our heart, Father, we surrender it at your feet. Lord, we ask you to renew our minds today, challenge us, Holy Spirit, empower us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that people would be healed in the name of Jesus, that they would begin to dream again with you. In your name we pray, amen. So I don't do events, I do assignments. I don't do conferences, I do assignments where the Lord says go. There's a purpose, I'm not just here because I'm the speaker that would work. Uh, I believe that the Lord has divinely ordained this morning, and everybody that's here, whether you were guilted into being here or not, you're here, and the Lord ordained it. And so I feel really strongly that the Lord has empowered me this morning and challenged me to challenge you and to release three things over this room and over the people that are willing to receive it. The question is, will you be good soil this morning? That's the question. It's not my job to feed you. It's my job to lay out the food. It's your job to starve or eat. Amen? Drives me nuts when people say, I, I left that church because that pastor wasn't feeding me. I wasn't fed. It's not his job to feed you. It's his job to lay out the food. When's the last time you saw a shepherd out in a field pulling grass out of the ground and stuffing it in his sheep's mouth? Never. All right. We got people struggling with porn judging pastors. So there's three specific things I felt like the Lord wanted to release over the community and over those that are watching online, over anybody that's hearing my voice that's willing and open. And those three things are, one, witty inventions, new inventions, new creations, new products, and new things. Number two is a spirit of wealth, and the spirit of wealth is not just finances. It's peace, wholeness, joy, health, total sozo, everything, mind, body, and spirit in order. Also, to release a spirit of creativity. It is God's heart to breathe on a new renaissance movement within the body of Christ. That Christians should be writing new music, that we should be doing new paintings, we should be writing movie scripts, we should have the, Christians should have the best entertainment and arts available today, but we don't. How many of you know when you're channel surfing and you get to a Christian show, you know right away, because it's like a bad Canadian soap opera. I know right away, I'm like, well, you're watching it and you're like, this is weird. This is, I, I was on, y'all know what TBN is? I was invited to TBN in Los Angeles, you know, with the big gold chairs. And um, I, I had my book come out, Filthy Fisherman, and um, they wanted to interview me. And so I'm there and I'm in the studio being interviewed and they're like, okay, we're gonna take a commercial break. And I was like, all right. And they show this preview for a movie and it's like, in a world where 10 strangers find themselves in a diner in the desert, they have to choose which side of the diner they're gonna live on for eternity. And I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> the, the bus boy, his name's Jesus. 
And then a guy comes in in a suit that's all like bony and he's like, my name's Satan, you know, and like you got to pick which side. And I started laughing out loud in the studio. And I said, who made this? I said, how much does something like this cost to make? And the guy interviewing me is like, well, like uh, about four million. And I was like, four million? What a waste. I said, do you know what my ministry could do with $4 million? We have orphanages that, where we rescue sex trafficked kids from age 5 to 17. I was like, we reach the lost. We do outreach to Islam. Like, I was like, there's so many things that we could do to reach the lost and take care of people with $4 million. What a waste. Who would ever waste that much money on making a movie? And he looked at me and said, I did. <laughs> I produced it. And I was like, no, but yours is okay. Like, I'm talking about the other one. I'm talking about the other people. <laughs> so I was never invited back. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> but as Christians, we should have the greatest source of material. People should hear Christian music and be like, how, how is it hitting me in my soul like that? People should be looking at Christian paintings and getting healed from trauma in their childhood by the anointing that's resting on the painting. People should prophetically dance and people get delivered from demons. We should have an anointed art form because of the source of our revelation. But the problem is the church for decades has looked to the world for a model of greatness and not to heaven. So then we say, okay, well, what's successful in the world? Let's copy that. And the Lord's like, how about you don't copy the world? How about you pull resources out of eternity, out of the uncreated God of the universe and pull new ideas out of him. Most people don't have that intimate of a relationship, so it's easier to get it from the world because, oh, there's already a model there of what works. No, that's not the model that works. That's what works for the world, but we have something better. We have something far greater than what the world has. And the fact that you're not educated in a certain area makes you prime real estate for God to use you. You don't need to have the education to do what God's called you to do. There are secular nurses, doctors, scientists that have a limit to how much they can create and do. The ones that don't follow Christ, they have a ceiling. We don't. You can have a dream tonight of a multi-million dollar idea. You could have a dream tonight. This is your heritage, by the way. Dreams are the most common ways in the Bible that God spoke to people. If he can speak to wicked kings in dreams, he can speak to you. But the problem is, you go, I just ate tacos too late. <laughs> I promise you, it's not a food dream. Nine times out of ten, the Holy Spirit's trying to talk to you about something. Amen? That's your biblical heritage. Prophetic voices in the Bible ended famine, ended slavery, ended war, ended droughts. Found out ways to get through hard economic times. Christians can create their own economy. Through giving. Listen, we get weird about money, but that's because you're socially retarded. <laughs> I love you. But we get weird about money. People are like, a preacher just wants my money. You're right, dummy. We do want your money. Do you know why? Because it takes money to run the kingdom. We can't call the electric company and say, I have a word from the Lord that our church is supposed to be here. Can we just not pay the bill? We got people that give more to their political affiliations than they do the church. You think Biden's going to save you? You think Trump's going to save you? Neither are going to save you. Jesus is our only hope. 
We need to fund the kingdom. Money in the hands of a believer is a sword against injustice. It's how we spread the kingdom. People are like, well, I'm just going to pray for a portal to open over the city and justice will pour out of it. This isn't Marvel. Okay, I'm not saying the supernatural isn't real. I'm depending on the supernatural being real. But I'm just telling you, you have to be the hands and feet and pocketbook of Jesus. That you are, you are the portal. You're a mobile upper room, a walking Ark of the Covenant. He's put a power in you and he's asked you to participate. But we get in our own way. God can't use me. I'm just some nobody from Nowheresville. 2023 is a big year for us in the body of Christ. I believe that numbers mean something, that numbers are important to God. In the Strong's Concordance, 2023 in the Hebrew refers to Mount Horeb, and mountain in the Hebrew means promotion. So 2023 is a year of promotion. And in the Greek, it means to lavishly supply every need. But does it feel that way? No. People are talking about the economy. The U.S. dollar's going down. Oil's going, we have all these problems. So what? You are not a slave of the economy around you. Quit acting like a worldly citizen. God wants to do something big through ordinary people that are jars of clay. The fact that you don't have what it takes makes you great ground for the Lord. But the problem is most of us struggle with low self-esteem. Well, God, how can you use me? My whole life is I shouldn't be here. You realize that? I'm, I'm, I'm in rooms speaking to entities that I don't have any reason to be in that room doing it on my own accord. God has opened doors that I have no business being in in my own regard or talent. But he's opened the door and he moved me into those places and he wants to do the same with you. You don't know who you're sitting next to at an airport, at a gas station. God's looking for obedient messengers. He's just looking for donkeys to ride in on. And thank God there's a lot of donkeys in this room. That's really it. He gets the glory. The fact that you can't brag about yourself means he gets the glory. The fact that I can stand up and go, wow, I'm an award-winning author. We broke the record at Barnes & Noble for most books sold at a regional book signing. We, run the, we won the Reader's Choice Award out of 200,000 books. We got a gold medal, and we, we won. That, and I'm diagnosed learning disabled in the third grade in, in English. Put on Redlin my entire childhood, barely graduated high school, was told by the school system, do not try to go to college. You will waste the government or your family's money. That's my school counselor told me that. She's like, aim low. Now I'm a double PhD. That's God. That's, that's not that I'm great. That's that he's great. And I fumbled my way through it with his help. Well... So you said, Luke, you're going to release witty inventions? What does that mean? Have you ever stumbled across something in the Bible and you're like, I've never read this? Like maybe you've discovered new books in the Bible? While you're reading, you're like, what Bible is this? Is this the right translation? Is this the Mormon Bible? Which Bible is this? Proverbs 8.12 in the King James Version states this. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. That hit me like a ton of bricks when I was in intercession with the Lord. I was like, wow, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. And the Lord's saying, there are 
issues in the earth that I'm releasing through the power of the Holy Spirit answers to those questions. There are issues and problems, defects, diseases, hardships. There are things that the Lord wants to release the answer to. That's your heritage. And he has it available for those who ask. But why are you not asking? Have you made a peace treaty with disappointment? Are you just living your life, eking your way through the nine to five, living as a mere mortal? The word tells us that we're not mere mortals. Do you believe that Jesus can heal the sick? Do you believe that Jesus can drive out devils? Do you believe that the Lord can give you resources to end suffering on earth? Then why aren't you? If 10% of this room got it, it would radically transform the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If 10% of this room said, you know what, I believe that the Holy Spirit can give me ideas to end suffering in people's lives and to better culture. Imagine what could happen. You could have a dream tonight of a valve that becomes standard on every baby bottle and you become a multimillionaire. It's that simple. People are having these dreams. You should Google inventors that were Christians and you will read so many stories throughout time of people that were not qualified that invented something radical. The forefather of mathematics was a preacher's kid that had no formal education and became the forefather of mathematics because the Holy Spirit didn't anoint him but gave him a talent. He gave him a gift. We have callings, giftings, and anointings. And we get them confused. Calling is what you're supposed to do. It's what you're called to do. Then you've got a gifting. That's the talent to do the thing he's called you to do. That's where we get confused in the body of Christ. We say that guy was so anointed. No, he wasn't. He was talented. That's why he failed because he wasn't anointed and he was just talented. We're just not discerning enough to know the difference. Anointing is what rests on your talent. That's what we need is the anointing. Amen? God's given us a talent and an anointing to invent new things. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And the law there meaning in the Hebraic, the law meaning the body of prophetic teaching. But it says, where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. So you need prophetic vision. You don't need to be a prophet to have prophetic vision. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and ask him, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the prophetic every single day. Every good thing in my life came from the prophetic. That's how I found my wife. When Jesus found me, I was dying of a drug overdose in an emergency room getting prepped for a six and a half hour heart surgery. I was working for a drug dealer, living with a lesbian I had lost my virginity to, and dating a stripper witch. That was my life when Jesus found me. And he was like, I gotta have this guy. <laughs> I'm so thankful that he's not like people. I was never good enough for anybody, but God's like, yeah, plan A. He found me in that depravity and, and plucked me out of that and has done so many radical things with my life since that point. Dying on a hospital room table, he shows me, I have a visitation from Jesus, he shows me a short Asian woman in a Michael Jackson wedding dress 
<laughs> and a brand new baby girl in a birthing unit. Seven years later, first of all, I had a surgery called ablation. They burned my heart seven times, one for every year I ran from God, one for every year I was a drug addict. Seven years later, across a crowded room in Houston, Texas, I saw my wife across that crowded room at church. Hey! I'm not saying date somebody just because they're in church because there's some snakes lying amongst the grass. I'm just saying. doesn't mean they're safe. Look for fruit, amen? Thankfully, I found a good fruit tree, all right? She turned around, and she's wearing a Michael Jackson Beat It t-shirt. That was my context clue, amen? God's brought so many good things into my life from the prophetic. But the enemy has tried to stop you from dreaming. He's tried to stop you from living an extraordinary life by settling for an ordinary one. But the most powerful thing you can do is be ordinary and anointed. Being ordinary, there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. You have to, we're people. God can anoint the ordinary. That's where the miraculous shows up is in the ordinary. Picking ordinary people, that's your heritage. We look at Moses and we're like, yeah, but I mean, he was God's chosen guy. Not really. He was a murderer a rule breaker, a poor communicator. He had a temper. He killed a guy. And then fast forward, he's on a mountain and God with his finger is writing in tablets of stone the Ten Commandments and one of them is, thou shalt not murder. You think that was awkward for Moses? He's like, I know uh, I murdered a guy, so like we're cool, right? Like I know. <laughs> God picked a poor communicating lawbreaker to communicate the law. What's your excuse? You shook your booty on a Saturday night at a nightclub? Now you can't minister for the next three months until you feel different? We get weird up in church, like, I'm not praying today. I just, I did something bad yesterday. The Lord's like, okay, repent. We can start over. It's fine. Let's move on. Nope, not until I feel different. Okay. God wants to take you into rooms your disappointment can't go. He wants to bring you into places that all that baggage can't fit through the door. I had a dream that Jesus was uh, my pilot, and I was getting on a private jet with him. And I was at the airport, and I was like, Jesus? Like, I mean, he had on the uniform, like a pilot, everything, the hat and everything. I was like, Jesus, you're my pilot today? What? I start getting, he's like, yeah, we're going on a private jet. I've never been on a private jet in my life. And I was like, all right, Jesus, let's get on this private jet. You know, you're flowing with the Jewish account and you got some blessings in your life. <laughs> so I start getting, I can't get through the door on the plane. And he's like, he turns around and looks at me and he's like, baby, you can't get in here with all that baggage. And I turn and look and I've got all this Louis Vuitton luggage. And he's like, yeah, you want to hang on to your baggage because you paid a great price for it. But it won't fit where we're going. You got to leave it outside the door of opportunity. The problem is we struggle with low self-esteem and low self-esteem is the enemy of the cross. If you have low self-esteem, if you leave it long enough, you'll start to develop seeds of atheism in your heart. Because low self-esteem disagrees with the cross. It says, no, Jesus, I'm not as valuable as you said. It's disagreeing with Jesus. The problem with that is that if he is wrong about you, then he's wrong altogether. And it starts to build up a lack of faith in our lives. Low self-esteem is one of the subtleties that Satan uses to rock the church to sleep. 
The Lord's trying to get you over yourself. He's like, get over yourself. Let me use you. Lord, I seek your face and not your hand. And he's like, okay, I love you, weirdo, but I got both. He's like, you can have my face and my hand. He knows your motive. He knows if you're jank. Get out of your own way. Both heaven and hell know who you are. You're the only one confused. The devil fears you. He knows your destiny and he's messing with you. God knows who you are. He's promoting you and trying to heal. You're the only one that's like, I'm not sure. God, what do you, I don't know what you think about me. And he's like, I wrote, I wrote a whole book about it. You don't know? I attached my great name to you being alive today. You don't know that? Okay. I had a dream. Everything I preach comes from a dream. The Lord gives me a dream and it turns into a message. I was standing outside a hospital with Jesus in this dream. And he's like, come on, let's, let's go in. And so we went into the hospital. We went up to the terminal ward. And Jesus and I, I'm holding his hand. And we're walking through walls together, right? And we're walking through the walls into different people's rooms, hospital rooms. And I see people laying there. And I can see a tiny light inside their body that gets brighter and it illuminates an illness. As I get closer and closer to this illness that's killing them, I see a pin-sized light, but it's a keyhole. All of a sudden, Jesus and I are no longer walking through hospital rooms. We're in your bedrooms. And we're walking through your bedrooms as you're sleeping, and I can see the sleep bubbles over your heads, and you're dreaming of keys. But you wake up, and you dismiss the key as just a weird dream. You might have just dreamt a cure for a disease. But because it was too weird for your understanding and you weren't being good soil at the time, a cure was lost for a moment. Now God's gracious and he'll give it to someone else. You study the history of medicine, you find nuns that had no medical training that stumbled across penicillin by accident in, the or in, in, a, in a moldy orange peel and wound up using it. I mean, imagine how much you gotta hear from the Holy Spirit to be like, this dude's dying, eat this moldy orange. There's a guy that was a truck driver, got his back injured, got hooked on painkillers, and got saved in that process, was at home, he was a pillhead, depressed, suicidal, got saved, prayed and said, Lord, give me a dream. He read the book of Genesis, he started at the beginning of the book, read the book, got a download in his dream, drew everything he saw in his dream, his name's Gary Starkweather, he created what's called the laser printer. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Worked for Apple, for uh, all, all these huge companies, creating new products, new things from dreams that God had given him. God gives keys in dreams, but you have to believe it. Quit, quit making a peace treaty with your ordinary life. Say, God, I know you're going to use me because that's your heritage. People needed to hear the Holy Spirit at just the right moment to avoid dying. Now we're trying to hear the Holy Spirit to get a sale. Lord, help me get this best deal I can on this dress or this jacket. There's more for you than just hostage negotiation praying with Jesus. Lord, if you just get me through this, I promise I'll never do that again. How many of you have prayed that? Lord, just let the test result come back negative. If it come back negative, I'm going to serve you, Jesus. I'll never do it again. Oh, I'm the only one? I doubt it. 
I doubt I'm the only one that's ever been under the dome light of his car as a young single man going, come back negative, Jesus, and I will give you everything. I'm, maybe I'm too street for this house. But I decided to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit and say, look, I want my biblical heritage in the prophetic to impact culture around me. If other people aren't going to step up and do it, Lord, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to try it. So we started doing prophetic business consulting. Sounds strange, but there's a biblical story to it. Prophets always were supplied by the temple and by kings. They helped kings. And so I was like, all right, Lord, let's try it. So we started doing it. People started hiring us. Actually, the first place I ever did prophetic business consulting was right here in Dallas. It was an oil company. The guy called me. His name's Tim. And he's like, hey, uh, I got an oil company. I want you to come prophesy. I was like, all right, cool. I showed up. I assumed his whole team was all saved. <laughs> so I showed up at their corporate office. We sat down, and I said, hey, uh, first things first, the Lord's going to give you a contract from a company named Oracle. They're lying to you. They're going to offer you wells, but the wells are actually not producing, but they're going to lie about it. But it's God that stopped up the wells, and if you buy these wells for pennies on the dollar, the Lord's going to reopen these wells in Watford City, North Dakota. And he turned white as a sheet, goes into his office, pulls out a manila envelope that he had just gotten in the mail that day, and it's a contract from Oracle calls them on speakerphone, says, hey, I happen to know that these wells are not producing. And the guy's like, how do you know that? And he's like, I have insider information. <laughs> Those are, so he bought them for pennies on the dollar, he made $10 million off the deal. Those are his top producing wells. God reopened the wells. So then I start walking around the table of all of his C-suite leadership team who I'm assuming are already saved. And I'm like, man, I see, the, I see you each have a yacht, right? And I start, I was like, you named your yacht. And I start naming the names of these yachts that actually turned out to be the names of their mistresses. <laughs> I thought I was naming boats. But I was naming hoes. Y'all know the reference, right? You made it this far. We got a little more service to go, baby. <laughs> Some of you are familiar with my ministry. They want, the Lord's like, hey, these guys aren't saved. And I was like, you guys aren't saved? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, do you want to be? And they're like, okay. And like, and it's like, <laughs> this whole board got saved, broke off all the relationships, repaired their marriages. So word began to spread. And then he told the guy, and then he told the guy, I worked for a biomechanics company for a year. I've got no education in biomechanics. Wound up working with this company when, when COVID hit, which I shared this last time. We worked with the CDC, I had a dream in 2012 about COVID. We worked alongside, it's all recorded, me prophesying over the CDC about using uh, platelet-rich blood plasma from people that overcame the virus to treat others. Like, we were involved in that whole process. God used us in that. And so I got connected with this biomechanics company. They put me on a year-long retainer. They said, we want you to come and start a research and development arm of our company. So I came there, had some dreams, helped them create some new inventions with prosthetics. And in 2021, they were picked in Time Magazine for Invention of the Year, and I was one of the contributors of that. That's the Lord. 
Now, every company I've worked with, I've worked with over 15 companies now, some Fortune 500 companies doing prophetic business consulting. No company has made less than $3 million off the revelation the Lord brought. Not a single one. And each one that I've worked with has used those resources to further the kingdom. To build orphanages, to take care of single mothers, to feed back into communities that are impoverished, like doing all sorts of awesome things. Now you have an option to be weirded out by money or to be weaponized by it. I worked for a VR company. They hired me. They said, hey, we, and I tell companies, don't tell me what you do. Just hire me and I'll come out. So this company hires me. They're a VR company is all I know. I get there in California. Baby, where was that at? Do you remember? I don't know. I can't hear you. I'm old. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I asked. She's gentle like her voice is gentle. And it's, 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 it was in California. <laughs> they brought me out. And I was like, man, um, I see you working with these submersion pods, deprivation chambers, with your VR technology helping heal Israeli soldiers from PTSD. And they're like, nah, bro, we make video games. And I was like, well, that's what I saw. And he's like, man, what a bummer. I can't believe we paid you to come out here. Like they were so disappointed. <laughs> and then a week and a half goes by and the CEO calls me crying and he's like, I'm in Chicago at a trade show and the guy at the booth next to us is the head of the Israeli army. And he came over and was like, hey, we would like to use your technology if you could create some sort of software. We have these submersion saline deprivation chambers, and we're going to take Israeli soldiers through PTSD, like to heal them of their PTSD. We'd like to use your VR technology for a total submersion experience. So now they're working alongside Israel, healing soldiers. I had a friend that's an uneducated chicken farmer. Barely graduated high school, never went to college. Broke, broke as a joke in Minnesota and didn't know what to do, so he got an, a chicken. <laughs> Started selling organic eggs on the side of the road. Then made enough money to buy another chicken. Just kept buying chickens till he had this little coop, right? And he was selling organic eggs on the side of the road. And then Tyson moved into his town and said, we need somebody here to run the factory that knows about chickens, the behaviors and what they do. And he's like, hey, I, I know. So they hired him. He started working for Tyson Chicken, managing the whole plant, making six figures a year. Then he prayed. He had some tragedy hit his life. His son was going to die. He was four years old. He said, Lord, I need a multi-million dollar idea. It was a rare disease there was no cure for. He said, I need a multi-million dollar idea because the hospital told him it's going to be about a million dollars for some experimental treatment. So the Lord gave him a dream that night, numbers, symbols, and shapes. He drew them out, didn't know what to do with it, so he went to Google. And he looked up a scientist on Google and called a lab and was like, I had dreams. <laughs> they're like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a chicken farmer. <laughs> and they're like, all right, cool, submit your drawings. So he submitted it. They were like, where did you go to school? After they looked at his drawings, and he's like, I didn't. I went to high school. And they're like, well, your dream was of a new chemical compound for an adhesive. We've never seen it before. And he's like, okay. So we don't need just revelation. We need the spirit of wisdom in revelation. You need the wisdom to walk out what revelation he's going to give you, right? So he starts praying for wisdom. Give me wisdom. And so the Lord said, I want you to create new painter's tape. 
So he created a new product called Frog Tape. He's the inventor of Frog Tape, sold it for millions of dollars to 3M. Started working in Alzheimer's research because his mother passed from Alzheimer's and he hated the disease, so he started inventing in Alzheimer's. I started having dreams of old people in fields that their eyes were dim and they, you could tell that they had Alzheimer's really bad. And these lizards would come up into the group and climb up old people and bite them on the back of the neck and all of a sudden their eyes would get bright, they'd get aware. And I called them and I'm like, I had this dream. He's like, get up to Minnesota, flew us up there. It turns out that it's Gila monster saliva. Y'all know what a Gila monster is, the lizard? They actually use it in medication already to treat diabetes. It's called Bietta, it's just Gila monster saliva. It's liz lizard spit. He winds up incorporating it into this chemical he already has, and it's in phase two clinical trials right now. And so far, it's recovering 25% of lost memory in Alzheimer's patients. That's huge. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. That's not him. That's the Holy Spirit saying, look, I want to bring justice to a place where there's injustice in the earth. But he, he needs vessels. He needs people to speak up. He needs you. Now, you can look at your life and go, I don't believe any of that. Well, you're an idiot. It happened. I don't know what else to tell you. I love you, but you're dumb as a brick because it happened. We saw it. We've got it documented. We've got it. It's all searchable and all true. Just because it's greater than you can imagine doesn't mean that it's not real. God wants to use us radically to create new things, to do new things. I can't tell you all of this next one because I signed an NDA and it involves the government. But I had a dream about biocamouflage, living camouflage. And it can help avoid heat signature. Uh, it could also absorb a blast or a shotgun shell, you know, whatever. It could, it could deflect bullets. And I wrote it all down in a dream I had and I met this guy walking down the street. I was preaching in uh, Little Italy in Chicago at this little Hispanic church. And the pastor's out front talking to this bald guy, tall bald guy, and I was like, oh hey, how's it going pastor? He's like, good, he's like, Luke, meet this guy. And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And I was like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm in the military. And I was like, oh, weird, I had a dream last night about this technology. And he's like, what hotel are you staying at? And I was like, uh, that's weird. Uh, and the pastor's like, go ahead. And I was like, oh, th this hotel downtown. And he's like, I'm gonna send a car by tonight to grab you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's cool. So he leaves, and I go to the pastor. I go, oh, is he not staying for the service? He's like, oh, he doesn't go here. He was just walking by, and I said hello to him. And I was like, cool, so he could murder me, and that's, I won't know. Nobody will know where I am. I text my wife about it. I'm like, look, I'm going to leave my location on. <laughs> Because I don't know, look, I'm like, look, if I turn up dead, I just want you to know, I'm happy, I enjoy life. I, I want to be marked safe from the Clintons. Like, it was not, I was not, I was not suicided, okay? I, I love life, I love my family. If I go missing, that's the deal, so. <laughs> we wind up, now, the technology in my dream came from the Lord showing me <laughs> something, it was a key that octopus and squid use to mimic its surroundings. And so I wound up, and they knew everything about me. 
I went into the meeting and they're like, oh, this is where your daughter goes to school and this is how old she is, this is where your wife works. Oh, you also worked with the FBI in 2008, I see, and that was this and this. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do with your dream, but just thank you for sharing it with us. But the Lord has brought me into rooms I don't belong in. And you have the same heritage. You may not be in the office of prophet, but that doesn't matter. God's still looking for people that are obedient, that will listen. We, the church used to be welfare. We used to take care of the poor and the homeless. That was the history of church. But we didn't want to be bothered with it anymore. So we gave it to the government. We were robbed of a blessing. Imagine what could happen if we had an army of entrepreneurs in this one church that could say, okay, we're going to build a giant facility where we can teach single moms how to take care of their kids, how to balance their finances, how to be a grown-up, how to make healthy decisions. Imagine what that would do for the culture around us. Imagine what would happen in Chicago if a bunch of churches got together, dumped all the wealth from the Lord into the community, and created centers that could teach people dignity. Food for thought. We can get a down payment. So why is this message called Wonka, Luke? It's, you haven't said anything about Willy Wonka, and yet it's such a big dramatic intro. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in a way you understand, using the context and clues of your life. Meaning movies you like. I'm a child of the 80s. So I've given stuff like Princess Bride words and Goonies prophetic words. Like, that's just how it's worked. That's how it's worked. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said, I want you to watch Willy Wonka, the OG one, not the new weird one with Johnny Depp, but the good one, the classic one. So I'm like, all right, let's do it, Lord. So I went and watched Willy Wonka. Now, Willy Wonka is a really interesting story. You've got Charlie Bucket, right? He grew up in poverty. Both sets of grandparents slept in the same bed head to toe. They were really poor. Uh, by the way, Grandpa Joe, right? You all know Grandpa Joe, right? He goes with Charlie Bucket to the chocolate factory. But Grandpa Joe was pretending to be crippled. And then once he got money, he got out of bed. I think that, I know some people like that in my life. I can't work. Here's a bunch of money. I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to the Galleria. All right, weird. So Charlie Bucket was born in poverty, and he delivered newspapers. He did whatever he could to make money. His mom uh, washed clothes for a living. They, they never had anything, really. Very, very impoverished. Willy Wonka opens up the chocolate factory. He goes, listen, I'm going to send out five golden tickets, five being the number of grace. He said, I'm going to enter five golden tickets in Wonka bars, right? So he's going to deliver grace and something sweet. He goes, I'm going to give five chocolate bars that have golden tickets in them, and it's anybody's game. You could win a golden ticket, and if you win, you get to tour the chocolate factory, and then the last person that wins at the chocolate factory gets a special prize at the end of the tour. So let's look at the kids that win. You got Charlie Bucket. You have Violet Beauregard. Remember Violet Beauregard? She was a loudmouth that had the world record for chewing gum. You had Augustus Gloop, the German, the little fatty German kid. Right, Augustus, right? He's, he eats sausages and like loves chocolate and all that stuff. He ate the microphone when they were interviewing him. <laughs> then you've got Veruca Salt, which is I think where we get the definition white privilege from. <laughs> She's the worst. She's the original Karen. Karen. 
She's like, I want a goose that lays gold eggs. She's like, Daddy, I want more. Like, she just, she's super wealthy, and she's a spoiled brat. <laughs> I'm, I guarantee you, if she was walking by a park and you were barbecuing, she'd tell you, you can't have a fire there. <laughs> then you have Mike TV, who loved violence. He loved guns. He loved, he was a Texan. And they all get to tour the chocolate factory, and they meet this guy, right? Before they go to tour the chocolate factory, they meet a guy named Slugsworth that's like, look, I'll pay you for an everlasting gobstopper, right? It's a secret candy that Willy Wonka has. I'll pay you for it if you bring it to me. So they're all touring the chocolate factory, and each kid fails on their way to the end of the tour. What happens? Augustus Gloop, he's the first one to go. They get to the chocolate room, which is my backdrop. He runs to the river of chocolate and just starts drinking it. And Willy Wonka's like, don't do that. Like, you're going to make it bad. And he's like, oh, I have to have it. <laughs> and he falls into the chocolate, gets stuck in a tube. Now Oompa Loompas have to go get him out and take care of him, make sure he doesn't die. Then... You have Violet Beauregard that eats that nine-course meal in one piece of gum. And she blows up like a blueberry, right? Turns blue. Now Oompa Loompas have to take her and squeeze her to get all the blueberry juice out of her. Then you've got Baruch Salt that falls down into the incinerator. You've got Mike TV that gets shrunk down and has to be stretched out in the taffy room by the Oompa Loompas. Charlie Bucket and Grandpa Joe drink fizzy lifting drink, right? They get lifted up and they get near the fans in the ceiling and the blades and they start burping to have to come back down. Now they get to the end of this. You know, what, what I love about, about Charlie Bucket is this. The last ticket is the one he got, right? But it required something of him. He was walking down the street and he looked into the gutter and he saw a coin in the gutter. So he had to bend over and get down on his knees and put his hand into the dirt. He had to bow low and humble himself. And he reached into the gutter and he found something valuable and pulled it out. So it required something of him. And that's what got him the last golden ticket. So he's the one we're all rooting for anyways. All these other kids had major character flaws that stopped them from getting the gift at the end. The Lord loves you so much that he won't promote you before you're ready. He loves you enough to not promote you. Some of you have been waiting at the same place, on the same word, in the same hope, waiting for it to happen, and the Lord's like, well, I'm trying to teach you better character so you can actually contain what's coming. You ever see somebody win the lottery? What happens? Six months later, they're broken, homeless, and cross-eyed. They're like, I don't... I don't know what happened. I don't know. I lost everything. So they get to the end. Charlie Bucket's the last one. They get into Willy Wonka's office, and Willy Wonka's like, okay, I got all this stuff I got to do. And Grandpa Joe's like, Mr. Wonka, what are you doing? We won. We finished. Like, what's the prize? And he's like, you don't win. You drank fizzy lifting drink. You touched the ceiling. Oompa Loompas have to clean that now. You don't win, Charlie. You lose, Charlie. And Grandpa Joe, being the old wineskin, says, come on. Let's leave, Charlie. We'll just sell this to Slugsworth. That's what religion does, the old wineskin. Charlie Bucket, being new wineskin, says, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it here because I know if I leave hurt, I'll do the wrong thing. 
So he puts the everlasting gobstopper on Willy Wonka's desk, and then Willy Wonka reaches over, grabs Charlie's hand, and goes, Charlie, my boy, you did it. You passed the final test. You win. I'm going to give you the chocolate factory. What a dumb idea. <laughs> what does some impoverished kid know about running a multi-billion dollar chocolate company? Nothing. He'll wind up diabetic in two years and homeless. He'll be like, I got the sugars. <laughs> like, let me just... That's going to be Charlie Bucket. But Willy Wonka understood something. He understood that he could teach him business, but he couldn't teach him character. That Charlie already had the character to contain the promotion. Even though he didn't have the know-how, he, he goes, I know I can't teach character, but I can teach him how to do a business proposal. I can teach him how to plan for the future. And God's looking at you going, look, I want you to walk up the mountain of promotion but it's going to take some character development. Some of you have ran from the thing that God's been trying to use to make you a better person because it hurts, because it's painful. You've been asking God, teach me to love people better. And then he brings people into your life that are hard to love. And you wind up rebuking the devil. That's the devil. And he's like, nah, that's me, homeboy. I brought him in to make you better at loving people. He cares so much about you that he wants your character to be a place where you can contain what's coming. There's going to be a fire, there's going to be an earthquake, and there's going to be a wind. And all those things, there's going to be the fire of offense, there's going to be the wind of opposition, there's going to be the earthquake that shakes everything you're comfortable with. But it's a still small voice that's produced in character that will cause you to cover your face and walk up the mountain of promotion. God wants to deliver you into great things for his purposes and for his testimony. Imagine what you could if you were obedient. I'm talking real obedience. I'm not talking like, okay, I did something right once. I'm talking about, I was at, I was at HEB. Thank you, Jesus. About to catch the ghost up in here about HEB. Thank you, Jesus. I'm at HEB and there's this old man in the deli section and the Holy Spirit says, go talk to him. And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm off the clock. I'm shopping with my daughter. I'm not, I'm not ministering to anybody. I don't feel like dealing with it. And he's like, you go do it. See, when you became a Christian, you said yes to an interrupted life. <laughs> I hope that sinks in slowly across the room as you leave here today. And I was like, all right, fine. Now, I don't walk up to people and go, hello, I'm a level 12 prophet. Are you ready to receive your word? Do you hear the thunder? It's the Lord. It's, I'm supernatural. People treat prophets like we're one of the X-Men. We're not. We're just lucky to be here. All right. So I walk up to this old guy in the deli section, and I don't go up and go, I have a prophetic word for you. It's not, there's a difference between knowing your calling and pimping it out. And so I walk up to him. I'm like, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian. Now, I have short sleeves on, and you can't see now, but I'm fully sleeved out. I look like I'm going to rob you, not pray for you. And I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? And he's like, uh, okay. I was like, thanks. And I was like, Lord, I just thank you for this man. Thank you for his faithfulness. He has so much faithfulness for the word, God. He loves the word of God. And I was like, Lord, I thank you that his grandson's not going to overdose at the hospital today, that he's going to live. And the guy goes like this. And he goes, what did you just say? And I was like, your, your grandson's not going to die. So here's the deal. His grandson was across the street at the hospital with his family, and because of all the rules right now, he couldn't be over there. He was ODing on meth. 
and he didn't know what to do with himself, so he came over to the grocery store because he didn't know what to do. So he's just walking around looking at stuff, trying to deal with all the stress and fear and all the things going on. And uh, he goes, who do you work for? And I said, a Jewish guy. Uh, I'm between careers. <laughs> I said, I, I'm a Christian. I just, that's what I heard when I was praying. And then I saw another picture of him laying in bed with three moons over him. And I saw him speaking in tongues. And then he stopped. And I said, ooh, three nights ago, you got scared. You spoke in tongues. You wondered if it was real. And you did it. And all of a sudden, you stopped. And I said, but speaking in tongues is real. It's for now. Right? And so we find out. <laughs> this guy turns white as a sheet. And, and he goes, um, how do you know all this? And I was like, through the Holy Spirit, God sees your life and he's telling me about your life. And it turns out that he's a federal judge and he was also one of the heads of the Southern Baptist Convention. For those of you that don't know what that means, <laughs> that means he doesn't believe in tongues and in prophecy, yet he's speaking in tongues and getting a prophetic word. So then he calls us once a month and he's like, hey, this is what's coming up. What's the Holy Spirit saying about this? God's trying to put you into places for his goodness, for his kingdom. Amen? So this is what I want to do first. I want you all to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're in here, we're, we're going to go after salvations first. Because before I'm a prophet, I'm an evangelist. If you're in here and you've never been saved, you've never said yes to a beautiful, messy, complicated, amazing relationship with Jesus... Today's your day. I'm not telling you it's going to be easier. I'm telling you it's going to be harder. But you're going to have somebody that will walk through it with you and it will make it worth it. If that's you and you've never said yes, this is not a I feel guilty rededication. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I don't want to miss one soul, one potential. So if you're in here and you want to receive Christ and you never have, just right where you're at, lift one hand to the Lord. I don't want to miss one person. I don't want to miss one person. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this together. I want the whole room together right now to pray this. Jesus, I confess you are the Son of God. You are the only way to the Father. Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to your kingship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you raised your hand, we want to give you, I saw a couple of hands go up. Where can they go to? Over towards here? You come over there, and is there people that are going to be waiting there for them? Or, you got it? We want to uh, stalk you. <laughs> We're just kidding. Uh, we want to provide continued support because it's easy to dedicate your life to Christ and go out there and completely backslide or go out there and be like, oh, I just prayed it and I don't know what it means. Get somebody that can talk to you and talk you through it and help you with it. Um, secondly, I want to do this with this message, with this Willy Wonka message. If you own a business, I don't mean, now when I say own a business, I mean a functioning, successful business. Now, I don't mean that you haven't lost money or things aren't hard. Sometimes I get people that are up here that are like, oh, I sell anointing oil, you know, out of the back of my house to one person a year. I mean, like you really own a business. If you are a true business owner, I want you to come forward right now. We're going to pray for your company. If you own a business, come on up. Yeah, you can clap. That's fine. It's Jesus.
there's a few things we're going to do for business owners right now this morning. One thing is we're going to break off lack and we're going to break off delay. Third thing is we're going to release an Exodus 31 anointing over your business. Now, Exodus 31, I'm going to read it to you where it's what, what we're reading, what we're releasing over y'all. It says, and I have filled them with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. So we realize in Exodus 31 that it is God who has filled us with the spirit to do these things, to create, to run businesses, to be successful financially. And so all of you that are business owners up here, just close your eyes. I'm not putting anything on you. I'm calling something out of you that's already there. The rest of the community that's seated, I want you to extend your hands in agreement as I pray for them because you're participating. This is how the kingdom is funded as well, is these business owners get blessed and step into a new level of financial prosperity and then they're able to fund a new building project or an orphanage or help take care of single moms. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right now, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I rebuke lack in the name of Jesus. Any Ahab spirit that would try to choke off resources. Ahab was the richest king in the Bible, richer than Solomon. And the way he won wars was by choking off supply. So Lord, we rebuke the Ahab spirit. Father, we release supply in the name of Jesus. Father, um, some of these business owners literally feel like they're moving backwards. And I'm going to prophesy over you right now. You're not moving backwards. You, uh, you are moving backwards, but it's not what you think. You're not going back. What the Lord's doing is he's getting ready to slingshot you forward into new things. So, Lord, we rebuke lack right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we bind every demonic agenda that's been placed against their business. Father, if there's any place where they have failed you, in giving or in being faithful. Lord, we repent, Father, and we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would get another opportunity. Lord, that you're not looking to punish them, that you're looking to give them another opportunity to please you, Lord. So, Father, I pray for their business, for new ideas, Father, for new contracts to be written, for new relationships to come together. Lord, I pray for the same anointing that rested on Joseph to rest on these business owners, that everything they touch would prosper. God, that it would be attractive to others out there, Lord, that they would even draw secular businesses in, Father. Lord, that there would be places, God, that come together, Father, that sow in. Lord, I pray for real estate to open in the name of Jesus. Father, for land to open in the name of Jesus. For government funding to open in the name of Jesus. Lord, for resources to come in. Lord, I pray for a rich level of investors to come in, Father. I pray that there would be other Josephs, God, that would see and they would come. Other Solomons, Lord, that would see and they would come and they would invest in their company. Lord, I pray that they would get new opportunities. Some of you business owners up here, you prayed a dangerous prayer. You said, Lord, I'll live off 10% and give 90 and he's holding you to it. So Lord, I pray for those that prayed those dangerous prayers. Give them another opportunity, Father. Father, we release an Exodus 31 anointing over them in the name of Jesus. God, that they would have your spirit give them new levels of creativity, Father. I pray for new inventions. New, Lord, I pray for each business owner up here in the name of Jesus for a minimum of three separate streams of revenue. Lord, that you would give them new streams of revenue based off of things they already have. Ideas they already have, tech they already have. 
Lord, I've seen you do it already a bunch where you used one product and you started a whole new line for another product based off of one element from that other product. So Lord, I pray for the spirit of creativity, Holy Spirit, for you to breathe on them. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for any place where they've been robbed by family, where they've been lied to by a business partner, God, where they've been stolen from, God, in any way, shape, or form, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would give them Proverbs 6, 31. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for each business owner that you would make a public mockery of the enemy by publicly blessing them, Father. God, that their wealth and their resource would be a sign and a wonder to the goodness of the Father. In the name of Jesus, that they would have a private conviction to fund ministries, churches, the, those who have less than God, the poor, the widow, the orphan. Father, that they would extend themselves, that they cannot outgive you, Father. Lord, I pray for new levels of bravery in giving and new levels of bravery in stepping out into uncharted waters. In the name of Jesus, amen. You business owners may be seated. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to come down there. Is that okay, sound team? If I come down there, will it, it's okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to make this next part really quick. If you do not own a business, but you feel an entrepreneurial calling on your life, right where you're seated, stand up. You may not own a business, but you feel an entrepreneurial calling on your life. You are what we call the now and the not yet's. You have the burden, and you, but the timing hasn't matched yet. And this is the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He always gives a burden before the timing. So I want you that are standing, close your eyes. Those of you that are seated, look around you to who's standing and just extend your hand. And I'm going to pray real quick. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would push them through the veil. Father, that they would step into a new level of the entrepreneurial calling. God, I pray for the seed that's already in them to be breathed upon by the Ruach Elohim, Father, that you would breathe your breath on it, that it would produce fruit in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those uh, that are standing, God, that they would not grow weary in doing good, that they will see the goodness of God, their company will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that some of them are gonna be used to end generational poverty in their families. God, that by them stepping through the veil into this entrepreneurial calling, they are gonna end decades of poverty. Father, I thank you for their desire, for their heart. Father, I pray that they would keep running forward, that they would not shrink back, but that they would keep running forward, Lord. I pray for opportunity. The same thing with investment, Lord. Let people come and just dump money into their dream. Lord, we pray for these dreams to get going, to get moving. I also declare over those of you that are standing, your dream is not foolish. And it's not even yours, it's his. You're just holding it for him. So don't call it foolish. If he gave it to you, it's his. And it means he's intended it to happen. Lord, I pray that those that are standing would be able to make room in their life for the word to come to pass. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I have a few uh, prophetic words here that we're gonna do real quick and then don't worry. I know it's 1149, but we'll still beat the Baptist to the buffet, okay? Amen. 
Y'all are okay? Isn't Jesus awesome? I'm just telling you, we've received so many testimonies of business owners and entrepreneurs that have stepped in. We, we literally got to be at a launching ceremony in uh, Pittsburgh of a woman's center that we had prophesied over a business owner. She got multi-million dollars in funding from the government to start a faith-based program that takes care of single mothers that didn't want abortions but didn't know how to make it. Coming this way. What are y'all looking at? Would you two come up here? Joe, stand right here facing me. What are your first names? Joe. Joe? Donna. Nice to meet Joe and Donna. Everybody extend your hands towards Joe and Donna. You know, during worship, I look around the room a lot. Um, and it bugs some people because they're like, why is he looking around? There? It's because I worship all week. I don't come to church on a Sunday to worship. I come to ask the Lord who to prophesy over. That's what I'm doing. Um, and I, I saw a banner over your heads, right? And it said, the great push through. And this, I asked the Lord, I was like, what does that mean? The great push through. And this is what the Lord said, Philippians 4:19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I saw you both pushing through, trying to get through to what you feel is next. The Lord is bringing breakthrough into your home and into what matters most. You are bringing others with you. This is what I felt really strongly from the Lord. I felt like there was this big season of breakthrough. You've been contending, being like, Lord, what's the next thing we want to push through to the promise you have for us? And it's almost like I saw you both grab people by the hand and slingshot them like forward with you. And the Lord's like, you're going to take people with you because your hearts are pure. He trusts your motive. But the Lord says, I'm going to bring breakthrough into your personal life. And I don't mean like, you know, often when we hear breakthrough, we're like, oh, it's from something we don't have. But that's not it. The Lord bringing breakthrough, the Lord said, you are already faithful. You're already good people. Your motives are already good, but the Lord says, I'm giving you breakthrough to give out to other people. I felt like you were a very strong puzzle piece in community. And the Lord says, I want you to arise and shine like a flower. I want you to bloom because people in the community, they already see the beauty of God on your life. But the Lord's saying, I want more to see the beauty that God has in you. But there's something about you that's gonna bring breakthrough to people. And there's people that are waiting for it. And the Lord said, I want you to lay your hands on people and release breakthrough over them. But it was really interesting because I, I just saw you guys like almost like cheerleaders for people, like just cheering them on, being like, you can make it, you can do it, you know, and there was like all this power in it. So I wanna pray for y'all, um, if that makes sense. Specifically, what's really interesting is I see people with depression, storm clouds over their heads of depression and anxiety and fear and all this stuff. And you guys just came and you were like the sun shining through the clouds. That's how the Lord worded it. He was like, you are going to break off depression, literally diagnose mental things on people's lives just through showing up. That's interesting. Um, I saw the picture of you standing in a mirror looking at yourself. And the Lord's like, you are so much harder on yourself than I would ever be. And he said, I want you to know that the Lord's saying, I, you're a good son and I trust your motive. And it's this thing of like, well, who am I that God would pick me? And he's like, I love you. I love your personality. I love the way you think. I love that you don't think like a normal person in that regard. You think differently, right? And the Lord said, I made you that way to think differently. The Lord said, I gave you a brain like a computer for a reason, you know? And it was just a very analytical, obtuse brain in a good way. 
So keep your hands extended. We're going to pray for them right now. If you keep your hands extended, that's like 90 calories. Okay. So Father, I thank you for this couple. Lord, I thank you for the breakthrough that they're going to bring to others. Lord, um, I thank you, God, that you said they're a good son and a good daughter. Lord, that you are pleased with them. Lord, that um, there's no place in your heart where you're keeping score, God, that you only have good feelings towards them. Lord, um, that they don't have to search themselves, Lord, in a way that's unhealthy, that you love them so much. <laughs> Lord, that they are going to break depression off of people. They're going to break striving off of people, that you have a purpose for them. God, even through their simple, humble prayers, God, you are going to deliver others from depression, anxiety, God, from all sorts of mental um, things that hold them back, Father. Lord, but I thank you that they're going to give out breakthrough like a gift. I pray that they would truly rise up into the fullness of their calling, that they would see that you picked them and you make no mistakes. I pray they would walk out the fullness of their calling. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Thank you. Well, isn't Jesus awesome? Nobody loves like Jesus, but we get to try. Oh, it's on now. Pink skirt, jean jacket. Is that pink? What color is that? Orange, will you come up here? I want you to stand right here facing me. What's your first name? Jasmine, that's a beautiful name. Everybody extend your hands towards the amazing gifted Jasmine. Jasmine, when I was looking around, the Holy Spirit highlighted you to me and he gave me a verse for you, a couple verses. Psalm 139 was the first verse that he gave me. Starting in 13, it says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is something I felt the Holy Spirit speak, also Ezekiel 16. It says, on the day that you were born, nobody cared enough to cut your cord or to rub you with salt. On the day that you were born, you were despised and thrown into a field. But then it says that the Lord walked by you and found you kicking about in your own blood and he said, live. It says, I found you in your own blood and I said, live. When others turned their back, he came. And even though others may have not celebrated you, God does. And this is what the Lord said. He said, I'm, I'm speaking to you as a father now. He says, your future has no limits. None, no limits. You came from Bethlehem. You came from the manger, right? Jesus was born in a manger in an animal's toilet in a place where they said, you know, whatever. It was, it was, it was the lowest of the low, but the Lord moved on it and birthed love in a place and it was so powerful, it split time. The Lord says, what I'm gonna do with your life, no man's gonna be able to claim. No father's gonna be able to look at you and say, it's because of me that she's this way. It's because of me that she's successful. The Lord says, I'm the only one that's getting bragging rights. And I saw you as a little girl dressed up in a tutu, right? And I saw you spinning around and dancing and you were looking up at your father and saying, do you see me? Do you see me? And all that came back were echoes of your own voice. 
But the Lord says, I'm your father. I saw, I see everything. And he said, Jeremiah 29, 11 is your future. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You're worth good things. This is what the Lord says. And you need to get ready for the shift of goodness that's coming. Make room in your life for the blessing is what the Lord said. I felt the Lord really strongly saying this, honey, don't settle. You're nobody's plan B. You're nobody's second choice. You need to make room in your life for this next season because the Lord's getting ready to read your diary back to you. It's like I saw this journal of what you wanted and the Lord said, I read your journal and I'm ordering up exactly what you wanted and that's what's gonna sweep you off your feet. The Lord said, you deserve, you have the name of a Disney princess for a reason. Because you're a princess and the Lord says, I've been waiting to give you this. The Lord says, the enemy's tried to get you to lower a standard of what you think you deserve. But the Lord said, I'm moving you from the thrift shop to the gift shop. That's what he said. So keep your hands extended towards Jasmine. Is it all right if I pray for you? So Father, I thank you for Jasmine, for my sister, Lord, that this next season, Father, is about beauty and blessing that this next season is about provision and daughterhood. Lord, I thank you that you love Jasmine, that she is not forgotten, that she is not a daughter that disappears into the background, but she is the 4th of July father to you. Lord, I thank you for her sweet heart, for the tenderness in her heart. Lord, I thank you, God, that you said she's nobody's plan B. She's first choice. Lord, and I thank you for her future, for the brightness of it. God, that you have such amazing plans for her that she can't even possibly daydream of the goodness that's coming her way. Lord, I thank you that you said it's been hard, Jasmine, I know. But he said, you didn't burn down with the rest of the life around you. You made it through the fire. And so what's standing now is pure gold. So Lord, I thank you that you are pleased with Jasmine, that you're waiting not with a hand raised to strike her, but with arms out wide to wrap around her. Father, I pray that she would step into the fullness of her calling. In your name we pray, amen. Does that make sense? Well, ain't nobody like Jesus. You know what my greatest desire is? Besides being a father and a husband, in ministry, one of my greatest desires is that you would do what I do. Because you can hear the Holy Spirit too. You are not uniquely deaf. You can hear him. My greatest desire is that you would hear him. Would, that I would just be the tattooed middleman in between and that you wouldn't need me. One of my greatest desires is that people would hear the Father for themselves and they'd say, Luke, we want you to come back because we love you and have a relationship, not because we need you. That's my desire is that you would prophesy and you would hear the Lord and you would be obedient to what he's saying. Would you come up here? I want you to come stand right here. Just right here. Also, I, I know, I'm sure Children's Church is going on. Um, do we have um, one of the main representatives of the children's pastors? 
Right here? Would you come up here and stand right here too? These are separate words, but we're going to kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> so I'm going to start with you. Uh, Gemma, would you come up here? Um, so my, like while we're worshiping and stuff like that, my daughter draws like different prophetic things that kind of stand out. You were watching her? Yeah. <laughs> and so she drew, she's like, I feel like this is children's ministry, like somebody that works with children, that the Lord wants to start releasing healing in the children's ministry. And so she's going to pray for you. And so, Gemma, you want to grab his hand? And I want you just to pray to release healing over children's ministry, okay? I pray that, wait, what's your name? Josh. I pray that Josh will um, heal a lot of kids in the world and make sure they start believing in God more and that he will be a leader and save many kids' lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, also we're going to pray in the name of Jesus that healing in the children's ministry would abound still more and more, that there would be testimonies of healing where kids pray for other kids and they're healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, baby. Thank you. You can be seated, baby. Thank you. What's your first name? Zach. Zach. Oh, Zach Attack. Yeah. I'm in a yeah. Zach Attack. Um, so I saw these explosion of words come out of you while you were worshiping, right? It was almost like fireworks. I talk a lot about fireworks because that's sometimes how I see prophetic revelation. I'll see it exploding out of people like fireworks. And I saw it shooting out of you, and it said, Fisher of men and harvester. And the Lord brought Matthew 12, 1 through 6, which I love this section. But before I get to reading it, this is something that the Lord's called for you to be as an evangelist, right? To, to be a fisher of men, to capture people, to disciple. But the Lord said this, I've called you with a specific, unique anointing to make war with the spirit of religion. That the Lord's saying, I've called you to come in and that you would be unpersuaded by religion, by meeting the status quo, by towing the company line. That the Lord says, you're gonna be like Gideon, who's gonna go sacred cow tipping. Gideon went and knocked over the idols of his forefathers in the middle of the night. And the Lord says, I'm gonna have you do that kind of thing, where you're gonna knock over religious idols. Matthew 12, one through six says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read that what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the, his presence? which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. I felt so strong like the Lord says, I'm about to release not, not that you're just called to be evangelistic, but the Lord's saying, I'm getting ready to release you into an evangelistic ministry. Something that's bigger than anything you've dabbled in or stepped into before. That it was actually like a movement that's gonna be birthed out of you. 
that the Lord has this set aside for you. And I saw you on stages, on platforms, leading nations to Christ, literally on stage and just firing off these golden arrows and people getting saved and, and t- like, like people, it's like healing, right? When healing breaks out, people bum rush the altar. And it was like, I saw salvation breaking out like that, where it just, people started bum rushing the altar under the spirit of conviction from the Holy Spirit. But the Lord says, I'm going to align you with others that are going to help you build it. And it's going to be bigger than one place. But the Lord says, I've called you to have your own ministry, to have your own movement. And so I want to pray for that to come to pass. Does that make sense? All right. So the Lord's filling your hand with fish. And it's, but just understand, it's going to make the religious angry because it's going to look like it's going to look like this, right? You'll be holding a meeting and a meth addict's going to come forward, get delivered. They're going to pray for somebody with stage four cancer. They're going to get healed. And people aren't, you know, the, 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 the offense is that God didn't pick somebody that's more mature, right? The Lord says, you're going to enable people that are sincere, but not deep yet. But the Lord's going to use you to build up an army of people that are going to run with you. And it's just like I saw these conferences and I saw stadiums full. I saw you literally traveling around with worship teams and like going into places and touching places that others just couldn't, that they didn't have favor in. But the Lord's put it on your life to have favor. Cool? All right. Keep your hands extended. So, Father, I thank you for my brother. Lord, I thank you for the call of an evangelist that's on him. Lord, that he's a fisher of men and a harvester. Lord, that he's going to pick the wheat. Father, that even though the religious may uh, groan and grumble and complain, just like Jesus, Jesus ate dinner with the poor, with the, with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the wine bibbers. He ate dinner with the poor, but he ate the religious for breakfast. So Lord, I pray that he would eat the religious for breakfast. Lord, that he would make crooked places straight and high places low. God, that you said you're gonna set him on fire and let the whole world watch him burn. It's something he couldn't build on his own, Father. It's something that you're doing yourself, that you've ordained it to happen, Father. You're gonna line him up with kingdom relationships that will open greater doors. So Lord, I thank you that he's likable and lovable. Lord, that you've put an anointing on his life to draw men unto you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for his sincerity of heart. I pray he would walk out the fullness of his calling. In your name we pray, amen. God's good. When you leave here today, you carry out throughout the rest of your day and you lay your head on your pillow tonight, ask him to speak to you. Ask him to tell you something. If I had a word for you, I would give it to you. But you have a father that desires to communicate with you far more than I do. And I'll tell you this, what a prophet does is a prophet confirms what God's already told you, which means some of you in this room, I have nothing to say anything to because you haven't gone to him first. Seek, ask, and knock, and the Lord will speak. Some of you, you already, God already told you, listen, it might be his mercy that I'm not giving you a word. 
And it might be that the Lord's saying, look, I've already told you a thousand times to start that ministry. I've already told you a thousand times to forgive that person. I've already told you a thousand times to do this, that, and this. If I say it, it's not going to make it any more real. Some of you need to just move in obedience. Some of you are five prophetic words behind. I want to thank you for smushing your hearts together with me today. My prayer is that you leave here unresolved and walking out this message and asking the Lord to make it real for you. That you, not even being a business owner, would step into new levels of wealth in the Lord. He has it for everybody, not just business owners, not just people that feel entrepreneurial. You might get a promotion at work because of this. We've received testimonies like that, where people are like, man, I received your message. I gave into what God said and boom, all of a sudden I got promoted or I got a new company or I got a new contract or a new house to sell or this. You just don't know what God's going to bring your way. That's not why we do it, but there's a natural reflex in the kingdom of his generosity. Amen. I love y'all. Thanks for smushing your hearts together with me. Peace out on Common. All right, hop up on your feet. Pull out your Bible, paper Bible, digital Bible. If you don't have the digital Bible, then after service download the holy bible app but just open google and type in first corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. first corinthians 14 and verse 1. doesn't matter what translation you're in i'll read it to you in the niv follow the way of love eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit especially prophecy that wasn't written to prophets was written to Uri body. Uri body. It's in your Bible. You're holding it. You're looking at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Desire, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.